Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Whitburn Pentecostal Church this morning. It's great that you're with us. Um, there's still some chat going on. And uh, when you're making your way to your seat, don't go in front of the camera. Or not. <laughs> Welcome to those who are joining online. Um, it's great that you're with us. Great to be in church today and uh, looking forward to, to just being together in God's presence in His house. Um, just so that we are all on the same page, um, sorry to sound like a broken record. I do need to keep repeating this uh, as people begin to join uh, in the building. Um, there is a booking system. We need to get signed up on the booking system. So if you're online and you've not been in church yet, uh, go to the website www.whitburnpentecostal.com. There's an area called Sign Up, and you can uh, get booked into the service. The reason we need to book is that we need to organize the seats in advance so that we know who's coming, um, and we are limited to 50 people in the building. Um, so the seating is always arranged so that we're distanced appropriately. Singing is not allowed, um, just to remind us. Uh, the reason for that is because of the, the ability to transmit uh, the, the droplets, um, but we are allowed to have one person leading. Uh, you'll notice that Steve's missing from the piano today. He is away on holiday, um, but that where he is on holiday means he's going to be missing for a, a couple of Sundays after that, uh, unfortunately. And uh, we did put some markers on the floor so that you know just kind of what the camera angle is. Uh, for those who are kind of on the edges, that's why these big stripes are on the floor, um, so that you know that that's there. So let's just pray. I'm going to read scripture and do a number of things this morning, but we're going to pray and then I'm going to read from Psalm 118. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you that we are in your house today. Father, we love to be in your presence. Father, whether that's in our own quiet times or on devotionals or with others in small groups or as we come together in church, Father, no matter where we are, we can be in your presence. And Father, we thank you that even for those who are joining online, we can be in your presence today. And Father, we just want to experience your presence. We want to feel it. We want to know that we are in your presence. And so, Father, we just pray that you demonstrate your presence in this place, in homes where we're joining online. Father, wherever we are today, we pray that you would demonstrate your presence. Lord, we love you. We're here to worship you. We're here to give our all to you. And Father, we just give you praise and thanksgiving. Lord, the very fact that we are here today, the very fact that we're joining uh, 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 online even, Father, is because we love you and we want to worship you and we want to praise the name of the King of Kings. So, Lord, we just thank you. We thank you that you hear our prayers. We thank you that you answer our prayers. And we ask them in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. If you want to turn to Psalm 118, you can. I'm going to read it through, and there's a reason for that, because we will refer to this psalm later on uh, today. And uh, it says this, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. What a great way to start, eh? Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say, His love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, His love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, His love endures forever. When hard-pressed, I cried to the Lord. He brought me into a spacious place. I love that verse. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I look in triumph on my enemies. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All the nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord, I cut them down. They surrounded me on every side, but in the name of the Lord, I cut them down. They swarmed around me like bees, but they were consumed as quickly as burning thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them down. I was pushed back and about to fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. The Lord's right hand has, uh, has lifted high. 
The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. I will not die, but live. And will proclaim that the Lord, what the Lord has done. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open for me the gates of the righteous. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. I will give you thanks for you answered me. You have become my salvation. Verse 22, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord we bless you. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine on us. With bows in hand, join the festival procession up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. What an incredible psalm to start off with today. And we will refer to this psalm later today um, in the message. So, so keep that one uh, ready, ready to go. We're going to pray, and there are people that we need to pray for. We've already prayed for God's presence to be with us. There are people that we need to pray for. We need to pray for Ronnie. Um, I sent an email out about that, that last night. Uh, we'll maybe talk more about that when we're offline. Um, pray for Heather, pray for Chuck, who are both back out of hospital, and then we're going to say uh, the Lord's Prayer together. So let's just bow our heads in prayer. Father, we thank you for your presence. We've asked you for your presence, and Lord, we pray that you just intensify that sense of your presence as we gather today. And Father, we, we recognize that we each are part of a family, we're part of a body, and Father, when one part is upset, when one part is suffering, when one part is in pain, then Lord, that affects the rest of the body. And, and Lord, we, we come before you for those who are part of this uh, small congregation, this, uh, this body of yours, uh, Father, who are in need. And Lord, we think of Ronnie. Lord, we pray that your hand would be upon him. Lord, that you would strengthen him and his body. Lord, that you'd bring uh, complete wholeness into his body. And uh, Lord, we just pray for your peace to be upon him. And uh, we pray for Margaret as well. Lord, we pray for your peace to be upon uh, them. And uh, Lord, we thank you that Heather is back home. And uh, Lord, we just pray that you'd speed her recovery. Lord, we pray that her body would be able to, to cope with all that's going on and the treatment that she's going through. And Father, we thank you that Chuck is back home too. And Lord, we pray that his recovery would be swift. And Lord, that you would strengthen him in every way. Father, body, soul, and spirit. And so, Lord, we lift before you everyone in our church who needs a touch in their body from you. Father, that you'd come and that you bring healing to every person. Lord, for those of us who need a touch in our minds, Father, we pray that you'd come and that you bring healing into our minds. Lord, that you bring health into our thinking. And Father, for each of us, we confess that we are spiritually needy. Father, your word says that we can't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from you. And so, Father, we just pray that you'd fill us with your words, even today, Father. But Lord, as we look into another week, Father, we pray that it'd be a week where you continue to speak to us day by day. May we find that place of quietness in your presence every day, Father, that you might speak to us and that you might fill our hearts and our spirits. And so, Father, we just want to come before you collectively today, and Father, just pray uh, the Lord's Prayer today. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. And it's such a powerful prayer. We, we can pray that prayer every day, and I think, I hope we do pray it regularly 
And uh, I've just been aware of God answering that prayer so many times, even in the last couple of weeks. Uh, so let's continue to, to pray that prayer. We're going to sing. Uh, well, I'm going to sing. <laughs> We're going to worship. We're going to praise. Um, but this is a song which we've probably not sung in church for quite a long time. It says, it says you're my all in all, but uh, if you've been around church a while, you'll know it. worship you we give you our praise our thanksgiving lord we love to be in your presence and father we just pray that as we take communion now father that we would experience your presence through the the eating of the the bread and the drinking of the wine and father as we do that corporately together father father 
again, we, we're just looking for your presence in this moment. Father, we think of those words from Isaiah where he says, by his stripes we are healed. And Father, we just thank you that what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross has has given us the ability to experience your healing, Father, whether it's in our spirits, in our minds, or in our bodies. And Father, we just pray that as we take these symbols, Lord, that you would come and that you would meet us. Father, that as we, as we consider your sacrifice for us, Father, that you would come and meet us. And Lord, we pray that for those who need a touch, for those who need healing, Lord, we pray that you'd come and that you bring healing into bodies, into minds, into spirits today, we ask. In Jesus' precious name. So let's just prepare to, to take communion together. As we take the bread, we will take we'll take that out and we'll, we'll take it together after we pray. We'll drink the wine after we pray. So let's just acknowledge his presence in this place today. Father, we just thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he was willing to be a servant to everyone. Father, he didn't come lording it over people. He didn't come bossing people about. Father, he came as a servant, and he came to give his life as a sacrifice, as a ransom for many. And Father, we just thank you for Jesus this morning. Lord, we thank you for that body which was broken on our behalf. And Lord, as we take this bread, Lord, we, may we experience something of the reality of that broken body again today. Father, realizing that it was for us that he gave himself. It was for us that he served. Father, it was for our sin that he died. And Father, as we, as we take this, we think about our own lives. And Father, we pray that as we do that, we come before you uh, this morning as, as people who have uh, confessed uh, our shortcomings and our weaknesses. And Lord, if we have not done that, we confess them just now. Father, we realize that we are inadequate. We realize that we're sinners. And Father, we realize that we come in Jesus' name. It's Jesus that joins us together to each other, and it's Jesus that joins us to you. And so, Father, we, we acknowledge uh, how great he is, and we acknowledge that forgiveness that's found in his name. Thank you, Lord. Let's take the bread together. Father, we do again thank you for Jesus' uh, blood which was shed on our behalf. Lord, we don't even want to try and imagine or picture what that was like, but Father, we thank you. We thank you for the awfulness of, of that moment, that time. Father, we thank you that it's because of his blood that we are able to be clean from our sin. And so, Father, we acknowledge how great that sacrifice was. We acknowledge that today, Father. We acknowledge how deep our need is, but Father, we also acknowledge how vast your grace is. And so, Father, we just thank you for that grace, that mercy, that forgiveness which is poured out upon us, that love which is lavished upon us. And so, Father, as we take this wine, Lord, we are so grateful for that blood which was shed for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take the wine together. Father, it's such a privilege to be called your child. Father, it's such a privilege to be able to come together and worship you. And Lord, we pray that the day will come where all the seats will be back out in this building. Father, where we're able to worship you and praise you and, and really raise the roof off this place. But Lord, we recognize that we can worship you, we can praise you wherever we are. Father, we can enjoy that relationship with you, even in our own homes. And Father, we just pray your blessing on every home which is represented here today. Father, whether in the building or online, 
Father, whether it's, uh, whether it's uh, live or, or people tuning in later on, Lord, we pray your blessing in every home. Lord, we pray that your peace would rest upon every home. Lord, that your peace would rest upon every person who watches this broadcast. And Father, we just ask that you would come and that you would meet with us. Father, as we open up your word in just a moment, Lord, we pray that your spirit would speak to us. Lord, we pray that, that you would anoint the speaker, Lord, that the words which are shared would be your words, your thoughts. And Father, we pray that you would anoint our ears to listen, our eyes to see, our spirits to really perceive what you would share with us today. And so, Father, we just bless you today. We give you praise. We give you thanks. We give you glory. We give you all the honor. And Lord, we're just so privileged to be called your children. And so, Lord, as we, as we carry on in this service, Lord, we pray that we would know exactly what you're saying to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Just uh, one announcement to make. I mentioned this last week that um, we do have an online uh, conference. Assemblies of God have an online conference. And uh, the dates are the 21st and the 22nd of October. If you want to be uh, tuned into that, it will be online, then give me a shout and we can drop you the information about that. That's the only announcement I have uh, today. Um, you can grab a seat if you want, Josh. Thank you. Just let me say thank you to everyone who's helping out and serving. Um, there's lots and lots of people who are helping and doing things in the background to make us being able to gather possible. And I just want to acknowledge uh, you guys and thank you for that. I am going to take my photographs before I forget to do that, uh, as I nearly did last week. Thanks, Robert, for reminding me. Sam's here in the light now. Okay, sorry, technicality's over with. I'll get rid of that as well. The big question today um, is what will we do with Jesus? That's my big question today. It's also the title of the message that I want to bring. What will we do with Jesus? We can preach and talk about all sorts of things in church life, but today I just wanted us to come back and focus on Jesus and who he is. Jesus was the type of person who polarized opinion. There were some people who loved him. There were some people who hated him. We know that because we are able to look back on history. And it's the same today. It's the, it's the same. People today either love him or they hate him. Maybe there's a vast swathe of people in the middle who are fairly indifferent to who Jesus is. I think if you were a poor person in Jesus' day, you would have loved Jesus because he was there for you. He was there for the poor. If you were part of the religious elite, you'd have probably hated Jesus because he was always having a go at them. And they were the ones who wanted rid of him. They were the ones who continued to challenge Jesus' authority. Why is he doing this? Who does he think he is? By what authority? And we see the religious leaders all getting trapped up in uh, legalism and the law and, uh, you know, I, I just kind of thought, surely, surely God's law is a good thing. But the reality is that we can take it and we can make it into what we want it to be. People can actually uh, have all sorts of doctrines and theories based on the Bible, and they can actually not be true. We can take the things that God has given us and use them in a way that's, that lacks compassion, that lacks mercy, that lacks grace, but I just want to challenge us at the start. When we think about this, we need Christ's methods as well as his message. Sometimes Christians can be accused of being quite hard, and we can kind of understand why that would be. We need Christ's methods as well as his message. Jesus was a person who was filled with compassion. When we see him in action, he's filled with compassion. We'll think about that as we carry on. Why do we need the methods of Christ as well as the message, because you can quote truth and still be wrong. But Jesus demonstrated the truth that he taught and the people that he touched, the people that, whose lives were changed. Jesus demonstrated truth in those lives. What do we see in the Bible? We see the blind seeing, the deaf being able to hear, the leper being cleansed, the lame person being able to walk, the outcasts been brought in, the rejects of society becoming the objects of God's love. Jesus was there for the people who needed him, 
and his legacy lives on in the church today. But the big question is, what will we do with Jesus? I think we have the same options as the people 2,000 years ago. Will we reject him? Uh, will we respect him, reject him, or will we get rid of him? Will we respect him, reject him, or get rid of him? And the choice is there for every single person. You know, there's maybe people watching this online, and you've never really made a decision about Jesus. Today's a day where you can make a decision about Jesus. There may be people in here today, and you've never made a decision about Jesus. What am I going to do with Jesus? Matthew, the writer of the gospel, he's speaking to a Jewish audience. That's who he wrote his gospel for, the Jews. And so we see all the way through Matthew, he says, this was written, uh, this, th- this was done to fulfill that which was written about Jesus. So we see the, the, the Old Testament coming to pass in Jesus. And on one occasion, he quotes Isaiah 42, verses 1 and 4. And listen to what it says. It says, take a careful look at my servant, my chosen one. I love him dearly, and I find all my delight in him. I will breathe my spirit upon him. This is talking about, God's talking about his son. He's talking about Jesus here. I will breathe my spirit upon him, and I will decree justice, and he will decree justice to the nations. He will not quarrel or be found yelling in public. He won't brush aside the bruised and the broken. He'll be gentle with the weak and feeble until his victory releases justice and the fame of his name will bring hope among the people. This is the Jesus that we're encouraged to take a careful look at. This applies to Christians as well. This doesn't just apply to people who've never thought about Jesus before. This applies to us all. Take a careful look at my servant, my chosen one. Whatever we do, As Christians, or those who are on the road to becoming Christians, we need to begin with taking a careful look by taking a long look at Jesus. Let's let's think about what it says about him here. He serves the Father. He's, He's a servant. He is chosen. And what a great thing it is to be chosen. Do you remember those moments when you were at school and you were picking teams and there was all the kind of people in the crowd, and two, the, the, the teacher would pick two captains, two team captains, and they would come out, and then they would be able to pick their team. Do you remember that? Does anybody remember being last? <laughs> Some people, I was never first, but I was never last, thankfully. I'm like, oh my goodness, I don't think I could have handled being last. But what a joy it is when, when somebody that you look up to chooses you to be on their team fantastic, isn't it? It was a great feeling. You probably never had that feeling, okay? So, (laughs) um, but to actually be picked, to be chosen, and and here we we are looking at Jesus, and He is chosen by God. Let me remind each one of us that He has chosen us. He, He chooses you to be part of His kingdom, to be part of what He is doing in this world. Jesus is the object of the Father's love, and in this we see this father-son relationship. He's the object of the Father's delight. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He is truly qualified to mete out justice. We think we're qualified to say, actually, I'll make a judgment here. But each one of us is flawed Each one of us is faulty at times. I don't know about you, maybe you've never gone faulty but I've gone faulty sometimes. I've been in that place where I think, I just need to hit the reset button in my life. <laughs> but he was truly qualified to mete out justice. He doesn't quarrel. He doesn't make a big noise. And let's reflect on what the, the New King James Version, how it puts this. It says, a bruised reed he will not break. A bruised reed he will not break. I love that. We can all be like bruised reeds at times. Injury may be accidental, but it's always caused. It might not be in purpose, but there's always a cause to the injuries. When we feel bruised and broken, there's a reason for that. Something has happened. Whether it's emotional or relational, we can feel bruised or broken. I think about the woman who was caught in adultery, 
And the Bible talks about that, how she was brought in and Jesus was asked to make a judgment. I was thinking about this. What does it mean when it says she was caught? Does, what does that actually mean? <laughs> does that mean she was caught in the act? And then I was thinking, well, where's the guy in the story? Where's the guy? Why is it the woman that's brought to Jesus? And we see the incredible grace of Jesus who makes a judgment in that moment. And he says to the guys who've gathered, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. And it says that from the oldest to the youngest, they all started to disappear. A bruised reed he will not break. I find an incredible encouragement in that story in the Bible because it makes me think that Jesus, even in my brokenness, will not break me. A bruised reed he will not break I think about a bruised reed and I think about my head going down. If you've been bruised or broken, you'll know, you'll know what I'm talking about. Those moments in life where you're just kind of like, oh, I need to get up again. We talked about that. Keep getting up. <laughs> Keep getting back up when you fall down. When your head goes down, and this, this reed here, this is up in the moors up between our house and Fault House. Very easy when something's bruised to just finish it off, isn't it? But not Jesus. He has patience with us. When our heads are weighed down with the pressures of life, he comes along to encourage us, to pick us up. And then it says, a smoking flax he will not quench. That's the New King James Version. I think about, I think about a candle. I think about a candle that's just went out. And I don't know if you've ever tried this, but if you bring a match to the top of the candle, without actually touching the wick, it will light again. Have you ever tried that? If you've not tried it, try it, okay? One of the things I loved about Christmas was candles on the table, and we used to run our finger through the candle <laughs> to see, and you're like, oh, kind of black. But anyway, when it goes out, if you bring a match down to here, it will ignite that again. And I, I just kind of think it's this picture of what God does in our lives. Have you ever felt like this, where you're like, the flame's going out, I've got no spark today, what's God doing in my life? You've probably experienced that, you know, uh, probably where I'm coming from, when the fire's gone out, and then he comes and he reignites our flame. I feel another song coming on. <laughs> and it's his victory, his victory that will release justice, and he gives hope to those who have no hope. This is, this is Jesus. This is the man that we're talking about. What a man. What an amazing guy. But what are we going to do about Jesus? Do you know, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about my own son. What do people do with my son? Okay, I could apply it more widely. I've got two kids and I could say, but let's, for the sake of the story today, think, what, what do people do with my son? I'm interested to know what people do with my son. How do they speak to him? How do they interact with him? How do they view him? Do they encourage him, or do they discourage him? To encourage means to put courage in. To discourage means to take courage out. And I think every time somebody encourages us, it's like putting a deposit in the bank of our lives. Do you know, I started something just at the start of last month, early on last month, I started something and I just kind of thought, I'm going to do this. I'd not heard them talk about it. I'd not read about it. I just thought, I'm going to start writing an encouragement diary. Every time somebody encourages me, I'm going to write it in this diary. And it's starting to kind of fill up with little things that people have said that are an encouragement. And then just this week, just this week, I was reading something online, and it talked about starting an encouragement diary. I thought, wow, wow, that's pretty cool. I wonder who thought of that. It's a great idea. I wish I'd written the blog post. <laughs> Do people put courage into my son? Who is being like a Barnabas to my son? Barnabas, his name means son of encouragement. 
And that's really important to me. Parents, you will know what I mean. If you're a parent in here today, you'll know what I mean. How do people interact with your kids? Are they genuinely interested in your kids? Because I know from experience that when people are interested in my kids, that makes me feel really good on the inside. When people are interested in our kids, it confers value on them. And it's like putting money in the bank, their bank. And the words that people use can build them up, show that they're accepted, build trust in all these types of things. And Jesus said it himself. He says, let the little children come to me and don't hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When somebody's interested in my kids, I'm interested in them. Yeah. Jesus was interested in people's kids. But what we're talking about here is the father and son relationship, Jesus and God, his father, and and that relationship. And I think, I wonder what God thinks, God the Father, what, what does he think when people show an interest in his son or when people don't show an interest in his son? What did he think about the Jews? And we're going to come to think about this in our time today. What will we do with Jesus? Jesus told a story, a parable that illustrates what the Jewish rulers would ultimately do with Jesus, God's son. And in this story that he tells, we're going to refer to it in just a little second. Um, In this story that he tells, it's just a story where if you read it or if you hear this in context, you'd be absolutely shocked at the story. It's the parable of the tenants or the parable of the vineyard. We'll read it in uh, Luke chapter 20, verses 9 to 19 in a second. So we're going to come to that and read that in a second. But the scene, let's get the scene that the story is told into. The the scene here that leads up to this is the triumphal entry. You remember when Jesus uh, was coming into Jerusalem and he sent the disciples on ahead to get the donkey and and get everything prepared. And then he comes in and the people are are dropping uh, the palm branches. The, the, The time that this happens is the Passover. And Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. And there's a collection of psalms that people would recite, sing at this time called the Hallel. Psalms 113 through to 118. So a a group of psalms. And Hallel means praise. I think it's where we get the word hallelujah. And I have to tell you, I am missing the time-honored tradition of praise. I don't know about you, not being able to sing in church on a Sunday is driving me nuts because it's one of the things that we love to do in church is to sing. And it goes all the way back to these times, thousands of years ago, where people would sing, they would use the Psalms as songs. And one of the Psalms that they would sing would be Psalm 118 that we read this morning, a Psalm of Praise. And what does it say in that psalm? In verse 27, I don't know if you picked this up, it says, the Lord is God and he has made his light shine on us with bows in hand. Think about the people as Jesus is coming into Jerusalem with the palm branches, with bows in hand, join in the festival procession up to the horns of the altar. That's what they would do. If you had to see a picture of the altar, it had horns on each of the corners. And here's Jesus coming in. It's the triumphal entry. There's palm branches. And what is written in Psalm 118 is actually happening in front of the people. And then Jesus is in the temple. He's overthrowing tables one day, and then he's teaching the people the next day. You remember when he went in and he says, my house shall be a house of prayer. He turns over the tables of the money changers. And this is the context into where Jesus tells this story because at this time, once again, Jesus' authority is questioned by the religious leaders yet again. And then he tells this story, the story or the parable of the vineyard. You know, it's referenced in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and I'm going to read it from Luke chapter 20. If you've got that handy, we'll read that. And this is what it says. You see, Jesus recognizes what's happening. Jesus knows what's happening behind the situation. And he went on to tell the people this parable. A man planted a vineyard, rented it to some farmers, and went away for a long time. At harvest time, he sent uh, to the tenants so they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. 
He sent another servant, but that one also they beat and treated shamefully and sent away empty-handed. He sent a third, and they wounded him and threw him out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, what shall I do? I will send my son whom I love. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenants saw him, they talked the matter over. This is the heir, they said. Let's kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others. When the people heard this, they said, may this never be. Jesus looked directly at them and asked, then what is the meaning of that which is written? The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces, but he on whom it falls will be crushed. And here's the rub in verse 19. The teachers of the law and the chief priests looked for a way to arrest him immediately because they knew he had spoken this parable against them, but they were afraid of the people. Jesus told a story a shock and awe tactic, a scandalous story that impacted the people that were listening to this story, the very people who were questioning Jesus' authority. You see, the vineyard talks about the kingdom of God, and it's entrusted to others. The owner is God the Father himself, who's looking for a return. The renters at this point in time are the Jewish leaders, people who are rebelling against Jesus. The servants of the prophets. Think about this. God kept sending to Israel prophet after prophet after prophet, messenger after messenger. And time and time again, they rejected what God was saying to them. Time and time again, they wandered off. And it says that even they killed the prophets. And then he decides to send his own son. And it's talking about Jesus. And one of the common elements in all three of the Gospels is the Father's expectation that they will respect the Son. That's what God would expect in His church today, that people would respect the Son. People would respect Jesus. But the question still stands, what will we do with Jesus? This is what He says, I will send my Son whom I love, and perhaps they will respect Him an expectation that the people awaiting their Messiah will eagerly welcome Him. But here's the thing. Jesus didn't conform, He didn't compromise, and He didn't cave under pressure. Jesus knew what His mission was, and He stuck to His mission. He won the favor with His followers, those who uh, were for Jesus and His message, but He made some fierce enemies along the way because He would neither conform, compromise, nor cave under pressure. I wonder what the church is doing today. Does the church conform, compromise, or cave under pressure? Serious question for the church. The church, not just this church. I'm talking about their church. We are supposed to live like Jesus. We're supposed to have Jesus formed within us. And that's what Paul says. I'm crying over these guys until Christ is formed in them. You see, Jesus' non-compromised mission and message won him some enemies. Often in the Gospels, it's that the poor loved him and the leaders hated him. And the other thing that all the gospel writers have in common is what they do with the Son. And remember that it's talking about Jesus. Matthew says this, but when the tenants saw the Son, they said to each other, this is the heir. Let's kill him and take his inheritance. Mark says it this way, but the tenants said to one another, this is the heir. Come, let's kill him and the inheritance will be ours. So they took him and killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. And looks, we read just a few seconds ago, but when the tenants saw him, they talked the matter over. What does that say to you? They talked the matter over. Think about Joseph's brothers 
They talked the matter over. They made a plan. They hatched a plan, and they decided to get rid of their brother, Joseph. Premeditated. This suggests premeditation. They talk it over, and they say, this is the heir. Let's kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. And what happened? Jesus eventually, soon, would be falsely accused, taken out of the city, and crucified. They took him out and killed him. They took him and killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. And if I was looking on, and I was God, and Jesus was my son, I wonder what I would do. If this was my son who has been treated this way, what would I as the father do? I think if it was me in this position, I would feel my muscles start to flex, and I'd be getting my big baseball bat, <laughs> and we're going to find the guys who are beating up on my son, and I'd be saying, I'm coming to sort you guys out. Tempted to weigh in. But what do we see? What do we see as we read the Gospels? We see the immense patience, the immense grace, the plan and purpose and foreknowledge of God who allowed His Son to be treated this way. Remember, they've just been reciting Psalm 118. It's part of this celebration, this celebration called Passover. It would have been recited at the time when Jesus was coming into the city. Maybe not exactly, but in about that time. And then Jesus quotes Psalm 118 in his parable. And he says, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. What do you think that means he's saying? And they go, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> he's saying that he's the son. He's saying that he's the son of God. We're challenging his authority, and he's saying, I have the authority. I am the Son of God. I am the one who has given judgment. And he does it in a totally different way. And Jesus nails them. Jesus nails the Jewish religious leaders, and he knows, they know that he is talking about them. And as a result, the vineyard would be taken from them and given to others. The kingdom of God taken from them and given to the Gentiles, us. And Paul's mission was to come and preach to the Gentiles. And I'm so glad that the Holy Spirit restricted Paul from moving in one way. I'm so glad that he had a dream of a man from Macedonia saying, come over and help us, come over and help us, because that is how the gospel came into Europe. And I wonder, I wonder if we could trace back our family, our spiritual family tree, it would go back to this moment where Paul went and preached the good news to people who'd never heard of it before. The things of the kingdom were taken from them and given to somebody else. We, the church, have a responsibility today. God has given us some things that we need to handle, and we need to handle them wisely and carefully. And as a result, the question still stands today, what will we do with Jesus? Will we respect Him, reject Him, or get rid of Him? You see, the title of the message today became a question for a man who lived 2,000 years ago, a Roman governor called Pilate. He was perplexed because he had listened to Jesus and he could find nothing wrong with him. So he sent him off to Herod. Can't find anything wrong with this guy. Herod sends him back and he's like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do with this guy? This is what it says in Matthew 27, 22. What shall I do then with Jesus who is called the Messiah? What am I going to do? Even his wife had a dream about this and said, you, you need to get away from this situation. You can't have anything to do with this. And so the question still stands for us today. What will we do with Jesus? Pilate didn't do what he maybe should have done, but at the end of the day, God's plan, purpose, and foreknowledge was being worked out. What will we do with Jesus today? Will we respect him, reject him, get rid of him, or will we receive him today? Will we receive him into our hearts today? I don't know if you caught the devotional um, on Facebook during the week, but I said that becoming a Christian is something that we do every day. 
Yeah, there's a moment where we give our hearts to, to God and we surrender and we say, come into my heart, forgive me for my sin. I want you to come and, and take the, the driving seat of my life. Yeah, there's that moment. But becoming a Christian is something that we do every single day, moment by moment, where we decide, not my will, but yours be done. Just as Jesus said, not my will. There are times when I want to enforce my will and do my thing. But God wants to do something in us. He wants to outwork His will in our lives. See, God delights in His Son. The question is, do we? Do we love Him? And I'm not talking about gushy, slushy, sloppy stuff here, okay? Because sometimes we have this notion of love and it's all, hmm, uh, touchy-feely, that type of thing. It's like, I'm a guy. I'm not into that. But here's a man, here's a man who demonstrates the love of God by giving his life for us, by dying on a cross for us. And not just for those gathered in here, those gathered online, but for the world. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus, our Messiah, our Savior. Only because of His death on the cross do we experience the freedom. The wages of sin is death. It's what we earn by our sinfulness. But the gift of God, by contrast, is eternal life. And it's what God wants to freely give us day by day by day until the day comes where we see Him face to face and we enter into the reality of that eternal life in all its fullness. You see, love sends people into battle. People who fight for their country. I've always admired soldiers who are willing to take up their stand and fight for their country, fight for their family, fight for their comrades. But it was love that sent Jesus to earth as well. What does John chapter 3 verse 16 say? That God loved the world so much that He gave His one and only Son, His one and only Son, gave freely, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Life eternal that starts now, and we will understand one day what that means in all its fullness. The question is, what are we going to do with Jesus? Will we respect Him, reject Him, get rid of Him, or receive Him? Maybe today you're a Christian who's living far away from God. Maybe you've drifted away. Maybe you're not as close to God as you once were. I said earlier, becoming a Christian is something that we do day by day by day. We need to keep investing in our relationship with God because that's how we grow. That's how God fills us with His Spirit. And He comes to us afresh today, and He holds out His grace, His love, His acceptance, and His forgiveness. And He says, okay, you're maybe not as warm as you once were, but come and I'll relight your fire. See, I knew that song would work its way out at some point in time. Come and I'll relight your fire. I'll get you started again. You might be feeling bruised. You might be feeling broken, but I am not going to finish that off. I'm going to come and I'm going to put you back together again. I'm going to get you so that the life can flow through again. I'm going to bring healing into your mind, soul, spirit, wherever you need that touch from God. It's so easy to drift away from God and to drift out of His plan and purpose. Maybe today, maybe today you've never made up your mind about Jesus what will you do? What will you do today? Will you respect him, reject him, get rid of him, or will you today receive the Lord Jesus into your life to give your life direction, meaning, and purpose, to give you a reason to be getting up in the morning, even despite the circumstances that we face? Oh yeah, you might believe in God, you might believe in Jesus, but have you invited him in to your life today? Are you willing to allow Him to come in and take control of your life? Will you respect Him, reject Him, 
try to get rid of him? Or will you receive him into your life today? Will you open up the door of your life and let him come in? The choice is ours. Day by day, God gives us free will. He gives us the ability to choose, to choose him or to choose our own way. If we choose our own way, our lives will develop the fruit of our own ways. If we choose His way, our lives will develop the fruit of the Holy Spirit that's inside us, and we'll begin to be people who are fruitful. When God comes back to look at the vineyard of our lives and He's looking for fruit, He will find it because we've given Jesus His proper place. The choice is ours today. Today, the choice is ours to welcome Him in. Let's just pray as we finish our time together today. Father, we just thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he is a man like no other. Not only did he die on that cross, but Father, we we know that he was raised to life again. Father, on that third day, they went to the tomb to look for him, but he was not there. Father, a fact in history that has never been able to be challenged. The Romans couldn't challenge it at the time. Neither could the religious leaders. In fact, the stories are so unbelievable that you would never write them that way if you wanted to convince people. And yet, he rose on the third day and that he appeared to his disciples and that he returned back to you and that he sent the Holy Spirit into this world. And Father, today we are so grateful to be called a Christian. We're so grateful to have your Holy Spirit live within us. And Father, I just pray today that you would help us to just stir up the gift that's within us. Father, to fan into flame the gift that is within us. Father, that we might be stirred up to to really go for the things of God in our lives. This week, Father, the challenges that we face, we pray that you would just come in, that we would draw you into those challenges, and that you would strengthen us to face those challenges, whether they're emotional, physical, or spiritual. Father, we pray that you would come and that you'd fill us and empower us to meet the challenges which we face because Jesus met the same challenges in your power. And Father, today I pray for those who have drifted away, those uh, who, who have begun to cool down in the things of the Spirit. Lord, I pray that you'd come and that you'd rekindle a fire within us. Father, that you would ignite a spark, that you would ignite a flame that would set us in fire for you once again. Lord, we recognize that we live in a time which is full of restrictions. But Father, you have said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And so, Father, we pray that you build your church. Use us to build your church today. And Father, just pray today, if there are those who have never made that decision, to invite Jesus into their life, that today would be the day And I just want to bring this challenge as we finish our time off. Jesus is standing at the door of your life. If you've never invited him in, it's like opening the front door to your house and allowing him to come in. Will you open the door of your life today and allow him to come in? If you say yes to that today, then pray this prayer after me. Repeat it whether out loud or in the privacy of your own heart today. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for this man who gave his life for me, who died for my sin. Forgive me. Come into my life. Make me clean. Make me whole. Give me a sense of purpose and direction. May your Spirit fill me today in Jesus' name, and may I live for your glory. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you. If you've prayed that prayer, we just want to send you some stuff in the post. You can get in touch with us at whitburnpentecostal.com in the contacts section. Let us know, and we'd love to be in touch with you. Church, it's been so good to be together. Great to be in his presence. Great to see that the seats are filling up 
Um, we've got hardly any seats left. Let's next Sunday be at total capacity. And uh, let's look forward to the things that God wants to do in our lives. And I just want to pray a, a, a blessing over you today. Um, and Lord, I just pray, bless every family that's here. Father, we pray, pour out the things which are needed in families, whether it's emotional, spiritual, physical, financial, relational. Father, whatever it is, pour out what we need in our families today. May we know the shalom of God, the peace of God, the wholeness of God, and may your name be honored in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.